Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Maricatani with another episode of Matt Chat. Today, I am pleased to be joined by the NCAA National Coordinator of Wrestling Officials and longtime friend, Tim Shields. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. It's nice to be on. I've, I've known you for a long time. I had to get, literally, I, I got to tell people I cheated. I had to get the title right before we got started. So, um, you know, it's, we've talked for a long time in a lot of tournaments. And, uh, you know, we saw each other at Nationals, and I, I feel like people want to talk about some of the stuff that went on there. So I appreciate you giving us some time today. Yeah, my pleasure. Great. Well, I want to just start with so people kind of know who they're listening to. Um, if you would, give us your background. So first of all, how did you get started in wrestling? Well, I've, I've been on a, uh, around a wrestling mat since I was seven years old. My dad was a, a, very, high, or a very successful high school coach. And just, you know, I just kind of gravitated to it. I just always thought, hey, even at a young age, it would be cool to, uh, you know, after school to run down and, and hang with my dad and watch the wrestlers. And so even as a young kid, um, my, my dad, I grew up in, in Minnesota. I grew up in, a, in the 60s in a, in a big-time wrestling conference known as the Big Nine. And um, even as a young kid back then, I kind of saw – Oh, some of the legends like Chuck Jean and Steve DeFreeze were kind of the big names, but it was just an elite wrestling conference. And so, you know, that's where I stat started. I always, you know, had a great bond with my dad. And, um, and then I went on to wrestle in high school. I wrestled in college at a division three school, uh, University of Minnesota Morris, and was fortunate to have a, a great coach uh, at that level uh, named Doug Dufty and, and he had recruited out of South Dakota at that point, kind of a couple unknowns, the Kozlowskis and, and Dennis and Dwayne came on our program. And obviously they had great international success. And, and then I went on and updated for about 36 years and was just fortunate enough to, uh, you know, do a number about nine big 10 tournaments. And, oh gosh, I think I did 38 national tournaments with between the division one, two and three. And, and it's just been a part of me, and it's just something I love and still do. And um, uh, so, I mean, there, there's my background. Yeah. So, obviously, you're a super qualified guy having, you know, refereed. You know, we would run into you a lot at open tournaments when I was coaching at junior colleges. You know, we would see you a lot there. How did you mm-hmm. move from the role of active official to the coordinator? How did that happen? Uh, great question. Well, I was fortunate enough while I was uh, on the mat officiating, uh, right around 2000, I want to say 2012, I was asked to, to if I would be the active official on the NCAA Rules Committee. That time, our national coordinator of officials was Pat McCormick, who, you know, is an icon and did a great job. Pat did it, had that position for 40 plus years. And uh, and and at that time, Jeff Swenson was our committee chair out of Augsburg College, and oh geez, you know uh, Kevin Jackson and and Mark Branch and uh, Lars Jensen Division Two and Ron Beachler and just a number of people were all part of that, and that's how I I got acclimated to it, and I'd be and and they would ask my input, and um, and then it just kind of developed from there, and. Um, uh, it, it just just transitioned into when when Pat stepped aside, um, you know, I applied for it, and uh, I was just very fortunate to uh, 
to get the opportunity to do this. Awesome. Well, I, I wanted to set the table so that people understand who they're listening to, not only the title, but what you've done to earn this. And that you, I think it's important. I knew this, like I said, from, you know, probably, I think you probably bench warmed me at least once or twice over the years. I'm sure I had it coming, but <laughs> that, that, uh, it's funny now to sidebar when I watch matches now, how irrational some of the arguments look because I'm not coaching, but when I'm coaching, it feels so rational in the moment. But anyway, that you started and worked your way up, that you weren't just appointed from the top down and, and you know, that you've paid your dues and, you know, and, 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 you know, been grinding it out. So I think that's important for people to understand. So I know, you know, that I want to talk to you about just some of the key issues that, um, you know, that have happened all season and a few that obviously were highlighted at the national tournament. So I'm just going to address these. And I, my goal is to kind of ask the questions that I think a lot of people, if they had 45 minutes with you would ask. So let's start with hands to the face. And the first question I think comes to mind is, why did you guys decide to make this a point of emphasis this year? Well, hands to the face was becoming an increasing problem now. And, and what I mean by that is, is if you had prior to this year had watched, you know, really like you do, uh, as much of the national tournaments and major conference tournaments across the country, we had a lot of hands to the face. And I think the committee members felt that, you know, it's a possible, it, it was not a possible, but it, you know, let, let's, um, let's curtail what could be a, um, you know, a situation where we could have injuries. And also let's take a look at a situation that seems to be slowing down wrestling. It's a tactic that could certainly be used to slow down a match or to try and keep somebody at bay and again, um, I think one of the real charges by the committee members is that, you know, we, we want offense, we want action. And, uh, you know, if you take a look at a lot of the rules that have been put in over the f- last five years, uh, you know, they really emphasize that. This is always, hands to the face, has always been in, uh, has, has been listed in our rule book for years right. as unnecessary roughness. But... You know, we just didn't call it. I mean, let's just be honest. We didn't. And I think what's going to happen here is that, you know, one week from today, we will meet um, in Indianapolis. That's our annual rules meeting. And, and we hammer it out for about 25, uh, about 25 hours of taking a look at all sorts of issues that, um, that the coaches, the student athletes, the referees are polled on as to uh, – you know, what, what do you feel about, it can be as specific as, um, you know, uh, you know, do we need to uh, redefine something? And it can be as general as, uh, do you think the four-point near fall has been good for wrestling? So we will go through all of those. And I only bring that up because hands to the face is, is going to consume a lot of our, uh, is going to consume a lot of our time. Um, I think the coaches, um, uh, I think the majority of coaches, you know, and the early feedback I have would like to at least see a warning before it's penalized. And, um, and I think you will see some, uh, some modification to it. Um, that's just my speculation, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I anticipate that will come out of our meetings and will be enforced for next year. 
Well, and this is odd yep. because we're talking to you a week before you guys do this, so maybe maybe we can have one percent influence on on those meetings. So yeah, I have in my notes here. I'm like, the rule was already in the books. Why not just let the guys call it? And so you know, my, I guess my point as a guy that coached for a long time, a guy that wrestled, a guy that still coaches, you know, guys, and obviously a, a pseudo journalist. To me, and I think you and I talked about this in the tunnel. I think the warning would make a lot of sense. And I think what would be interesting is if you combined these with stalling calls or combined the cautions and did some combination of two of the three or all three. And instead of like, well, a guy can have one hand to the face and one stalling warning and two cautions before he's hit for anything. Like maybe you just kind of get rid of all that. And it's like three total. And then it just points, you know, points start coming. Is that something that will be suggested? What are your personal thoughts on that? Oh, I think it will be suggested. I think that also, I mean, kind of tying into your point, um, you know, we have, you know, we have three separate penalty charts and, and from the standpoint of, okay, uh, you know, if I hit uh, unnecessary roughness and unnecessary roughness, and then I have an illegal hold, okay. Uh, and then my next violation is warned for stalling. Well, okay, I'm not disqualified. I can be warned for stalling and then penalized for stalling and then another stalling. As And you're like, well, whoa, that's an awful lot of infractions. And then I can jump that, the whistle and get a caution. Yep, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. exactly. And then at the same time, if I had, you know, unnecessary roughness, unnecessary roughness, illegal hold, illegal hold, I'm disqualified. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to come into, hey, how do we how do we clean this up but back to your point what i hear from coaches is okay i understand that in neutral wrestling if we go out of bounds i got to make one of three calls okay and i may not be necessarily happy or agree if my wrestler is penalized for a back out or a push out but i haven't i have a warning you know we can make the adjustment i think what with the hands to the face, that one point immediately, I think a lot of people felt was severe, and, uh, yeah. and, and, had, and had a lot of, you know, and, and could have a, a, you know, a critical impact on matches. Well, and, and it, in some it, cases, we saw it. What decided the number one seed at the 133-pound weight class. And, yeah, but I mean, for sure. So um, this is like a three-part question, and I'll just say them all, and then you can tell me. What were your expectations when you made this a point of emphasis? What were the goals when you guys made this decision? And how did the reality compare to those goals? Well, I think the goals were, I think, again, let's, let's make certain that it's, it's not dominating. And it's not dominating and it's not a, a focal point that it had been. Let's also make certain that, hey, we're addressing and cutting down on injuries. And... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to start with those and you may have to remind me of sure, a couple other me. parts about yeah. your question, but I think from the standpoint of, Hey, did, you know, uh, did it cut down on injuries? You know, I don't know that, that, that we will know that because, um, you know, I don't know that we had a number of injuries, but I guess I think the preventative aspect of it, let's make certain that we don't have somebody that suffers an eye injury or those types of things. I think was accomplished. I think the idea that I think first and foremost, who needs to get the most credit regarding this is the wrestlers. 
I think when new rules go in, and um, I think the wrestlers, even much more than the coaches, than the fans, and us, and us as officials, they adapt better than anyone. They really do. And uh, as that season went went along, it just became wasn't that it wasn't there, but it boy, it just became so much less of a factor because hey, we're not. I, I don't want to take the risk of possibly being penalized. And they, and they and their coaches deserve a lot of credit for that. I think as the year came, went along, we called it more effectively. We really kind of understood when, hey, there really was a deliberate or pop, you know, to that triangular portion of the face that should be penalized. And, hey, we're, man, we just got two tough kids battling for inside position, battling, and, hey, there could be something incidental. Um, and that's a tough call to make because it happened so fast. I think we got better with it, but again, um, it's, it's a tough call and, and the consequences, you know, they're severe in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think like, obviously you don't want somebody, you know, if I'm winning by one point, basically stiff arming you to the face to prevent you from scoring at the same time, anybody who's wrestled understands the importance of distance and range especially when you have people that are of even slightly different heights or arm lengths and to be able to get to your range, the head is the first, the most forward part of your opponent's body to not be able to touch that is, is difficult. And sometimes you might be going for the top of their head and they level change up right into it. So it, it, I guess. I, I agree. And I think I agree. And I, I sense that, Hey, um, again, just just certainly my speculation. I do not have a vote on this, but I'm certainly, you know, asked for, for my opinion when we meet at in uh, Indianapolis. And and again, as I said, I want to make clear that this is <laughs> this is my speculation. But I sense that, hey, we're going to have a war. First, we're going to have a warning. But then, a, as you mentioned, a, you know, a deliberate or forceful blow to the face would be called immediately. Because back to your point, if if it's like, well, hey, um, you know, we're going to ha- automatically have a warning. Um, you know, you've got situations where, hey, you know, unfortunately, sometimes guys can get make not make great choices or sometimes guys get frustrated. And we don't you know, you don't want that just forceful, forceful blow. And then it's like, well, no, that's just a warning. Uh, you know, that's what we want to prevent. And I, and I think moving forward, we will. I really do. Good, good. So I guess tied to that, is there room for the official to judge the intent? Like, hey, David and, like you said, David and Tim are just scrapping, or hey, David's trying to hold on to a lead and basically stiff-arming Tim. I, I think we can. I really do. And, and part of it is, um, regardless of, of how you feel about it, about the rule, we, you know, because it was a point of emphasis and we had to focus so much on it, we've had this whole year of training where I think we're much better equipped to make that decision. And um, again, uh, you know, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't win. (laughs) We don't win a lot of popularity awards when we penalize people. Um, But at the same time, you know, we need to enforce the rules properly. And, and I think that, um, our guys will be able to distinguish, uh, you know, again, back to, well, no, all right, guys, you know, 
hey, we've got a warning here. Let's stay out of the face as opposed to, like you said, you know, that that uh, time where, hey, one rusher is pretty much taking a shot at somebody and put a forceful blow in there and should be penalized. Right. So I'm going to jump, and it's not directly tied to hands to the face, but it's uh, – it's more about rule violations, specifically headgear. So let's talk about the 133-pound final. So by rule, and correct me if I'm wrong, where does a violation and a penalty point come into play in a situation like that? For example, can you grab the headgear as long as you don't pull on it? Because, you know, I mean, sometimes, and sometimes like literally you might be grabbing a guy's head and your fingers get caught in it. You see things like that. What is the actual rule on a headgear pull? Because we saw this a couple of years ago with Valencia and Hall. Well, as of right now, you know, the rule is not saying that, hey, if I grab, you know, if, right now the rule is saying, hey, that, you know, I've got, a, I've got a technical violation here if I grab that headgear, okay? It's, and, and again, it's another point that needs to be clear because like that is the rule or that, is not the rule? I want to make sure I understand what you're it, it, it is the rule. So it's not saying, hey, if I grab the headgear or pull on the headgear, you know, to get an unfair advantage, it doesn't specify it that way right now in the rule book. And I think that back to your point, which you alluded to, David, is, is hey, don't we just have situations where, you know, hey, because of the, t- the way they tie up and the way we're moving and back, you know, we've got guys changing levels, can't we have where, hey, somebody could, have their hand in there and and not try to gain an advantage from it yes we could so i think that more specific in uh, language regarding that i think you're going to see that come out of our meeting and be in and be in the rule book moving forward i really do okay so i mean i'm just going to walk through that part of the match so oklahoma state had challenged in the second period for hands to the face lost the challenge Mm -hmm. We're now out of challenges. So Correct. Okay. So a couple questions. Why were they given a brick back, or were they? And I maybe I'm misremembering that. But at the end, when this happened in overtime, and you see this all the time with these coaches. It's not just John Smith and Zach Esposito and Chris Perry. And maybe I'm, I'm diverting my own question, but we, at some point I want to talk to you about control of Matt because it's out of control. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they, mm-hmm. And I was a coach, and I did it too, but like – we do it because we know we're not going to get called for it. But they're begging for a review. Now, I'm pretty sure your answer is going to be the referees can always review anything they want if they're trying to get the call right. But is just walk me through how you feel about the end of the match, how the procedures were done by the referees. I'm sure you've seen the videos. I'm sure you've seen the still photos. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think the right call was made? I mean, I, we can do all the other lead-in, but I definitely want to ask that question. Oh wow! Well, first of all, I think I think it's a prime example, okay, of why you. <laughs> well, back to your point. Let's take it one step at a time, okay? The, you know, at, you are correct. The officials, the officials can take a look and review anything on their own, okay? In this situation, though, you know, you, you are, um, you know, uh, you, you've got a, you got, a def, you got a difficult situation because a lot of coaches are going to say, well, okay, wait a minute. You know, if I'm out of challenges, 
okay, I can't be challenging anything. And if I do that, that is a control amount. That's a team point. You also have a situation where, hey, you know, the officials, as you mentioned, the coaches came out on the mat, okay? The official did call control a mat for them coming out on the mat, but it was not recorded properly. And so... Wait, 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 stop, uh, stop. So the, he, he did the left hand up or whatever it is and said, this should have been a team point, and somebody... He did. did not record did. that? Is that what happened? Yes, it was not recorded properly. Exactly. Okay, so okay. I, I, let's and, say and, this... And whether... Okay, go ahead. Let's say that decided the national team title. Let's say that Oklahoma State and Penn State were tied. Mm-hmm. It, it, I know Penn State won matches later, but just for the sake of conversation, that that point was plus or minus, like it was a half a point difference. And they're either going to mm-hmm. win or lose depending on whether that point is correctly assessed, that deduction is correctly assessed. Like, I don't, it didn't matter. They were third, and they weren't going to go to second. They weren't going to go to fourth. So it really doesn't matter, matter, but it could. So how does that happen where, you know, let's say that it was the case where, you know, now they go ahead because it's not assigned, and Penn State goes back. Can they challenge and say, hey, they were called for control of Matt, and you guys didn't record it right? Like, walk me through that before we go back to the other thing. Well, they could because you've got a correctable error, Okay. But at the same time, now you're going to argue that, no, you can't, because once those contestants have left the mat, okay, isn't everything final? And so what you're looking at here is, is well, I'm not, I'm not trying to be take an administrative role here and, and dodge the bullet. It just needs to be clearly addressed and clearly enforced. Okay, hey, if I have a control of mat and I call it, then, hey, that team point deduction needs to be there, okay? The other part about it is is if I challenge and, um, and I don't have a challenge, okay, then, again, you have a team point deduction, okay? That doesn't mean, though, that, hey, the official can't say, okay, hey, you don't have a challenge, okay? That's a control of map. That's a team point. I will take a look at that. But then again, if we do that, David, okay, we're going to get back to, well, aren't there other incidences? Or, you know, why did you give it in this situation, but you didn't give it in other situations? So the point being is it has to be, we we have to get this defined clearly. And we have to get it out there so it's, it's black and white. And as we know, we have so many instances in college wrestling where it's not black and white. We have to make judgment calls. We're going to have to, for lack of a better way of putting it, interpret the gray. But in these situations here, hey, we're going to have to clearly state that, um, you know, these are the infractions and these are how they're going to be enforced. No question about it. Okay, so I I appreciate that. That helps a little bit. So where I'm unclear on is if the control of Matt thing if once that match ended, if they don't assess it, can it go back and be assessed or not? It can be. It can be. Um, and now you're kind of getting into, um, you know, the situation where, um, you know, Chuck Barbie, our rules interpreter, and, uh, you know, would, would also have to be involved with that. But to be honest with you, um, you know, I, I think we missed it. I think we missed it. We should. We, it should have been in, at the very least. Okay, 
and and I don't think Oklahoma State's going to argue with this at all. At the very least, you should have had a at least a, a one point team deduction yeah, and possibly two enforced. Just should have. Yeah, I mean, like I've I've given up team points because you're fighting for your kids. I I totally get that. Absolutely, Ab- yeah. absolutely. And there's a bigger as, as, there's a bigger as, picture because if you win the match, yeah. you win four. So. Yeah, and, and and again, bottom line here, and you, you know, and I've coached too. Um, you know, you're going to do it. You know, you're going to fight for your kid. Absolutely, and you should. That's where those mother and fathers sent you there. Yeah, for sure. So, yep. Yep. I, so okay. I'm just going to ask you this: Do you think the right call was made? Do you think there? Do you think you pulled on the headgear or not? You know, I probably, I'd have to look at that some more. I've looked at it. Uh, I've talked to the official a number of times. Um, I thought the official, uh, I thought he worked. You know, my conversation with the official, I'll just be very candid, is is that um, I thought he stayed out of that match. He got two really tough kids battling and going at it. And uh, I think the call that uh, I think, my conversation with him was is that uh, in the tiebreaker, uh, I thought that um, uh, the stalemate that was called at Oklahoma State was probably was called too quick. Um, both, and we don't know what. In, right? You're talking about when, when Fix put the legs in, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You know, as far as the other one, man, that's a, that's a, that's a tough call. I mean, you know, uh, you know, if I was to say, well, yep. I think it should have been called, and then we reverse it. I mean, you can imagine, you know, how Rutgers is going to feel about that. And Rutgers is going to say, hey, you know, there wasn't intent there. There wasn't, you know. Um, and then, of course, you come come back and say, yeah, but it's not I defi- it's not defining it that way in the book. And so, um, you know, it's one of those ones where, hey, uh, you know, for me to come and say, well, yep, I definitely think this or that, um, you know, that's just a, that's a difficult match. That match, um, you know, um, could have gone either way. Could have gone either way. So I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to say, look, and you got to protect your guys just like, you know, we would protect our guys when we're coaching and in a sense mm-hmm. coach these officials. But mm-hmm. is it fair to say that if they had called it, you wouldn't think that that was the wrong call either? Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. But again, I, I don't think in at that time. I think they. I, I clearly think they thought they got it right. I really do. Let me ask you a I've, fact-based question, not an opinion question. How many angles sure. do they have to look at? How many angles do they have to look at? They should have had the ES in, in the championship final. Okay, they should have had more than the one angle which we have throughout the entire tournament, and that's something that people don't understand sometimes you know somebody says i don't i don't understand i mean i saw that on tv and i don't understand how they made that decision at you know at this match or that match right and and again a lot of times we don't have a great shot because we only have one camera angle until we get to the finals they should have had multiple camera angles in in the finals and um um you know again i think they felt that hey uh that takedown was was going to be scored uh that they you know there wasn't an unfair advantage whether you agree or disagree you know i understand that but i think that's i think that's how they made their judgment now what's interesting 
is moving forward is, you know, I, I strongly think uh, I, I would be surprised if you don't see that situation go to go to an independent reviewer. And I think that uh, I think the proposal that that we'll be putting forward will have obviously more than one independent reviewer. I think you'll have three independent reviewers possibly. I know that's that's going to be a discussion at our meetings, and um, and and three people who I think everyone in the country would agree would be great at it. Um, and, and you know they may come up with a different solution to or come up with a uh, a different result on that match. But back to the point that you made earlier, how do I do that if I don't have a challenge? Well, how do how do I? Whole thing like I'm sitting on press row. And my mm -hmm. team's awesome in the finals because I don't have to do anything because they all go. <laughs> so I just have great seats. Okay. So, I mean, I'm just being honest. So, you know, sure. and I've interviewed both those kids or both hammers. They wrestled, you know, God knows how many matches now and like at one takedown on each other back in high school. So clearly they're even. To me, if you're arguing for fix, you go, hey, the leg, the stalling call, or the stalemate call with the legs was too quick. And hey, it looks pretty obvious he grabbed his headgear. If you're arguing for Soriano, you go, even with the stall call or the stalemate call on top, if he rides him for eight seconds, he wins the match. And even if Dayton thinks his headgear got pulled, he's got to keep wrestling. It's one of the first lessons you learn whenever you're a little kid. Hey, don't don't let the referee decide to keep wrestling, all that kind of stuff. So I'll leave this, I'll leave this to be because I don't want to put you in a position where you got to, you know, hammer your guys but i think people do understand is if that match was a mess the match was a mess in rutgers in january it was a mess in march and the problem is they're probably going to be a mess two or three times next year so, <laughs> so well i mean incredible you know incredibly talented kids and again you know um you you know i understand where um you know, and, and I appreciate you, you know, alluding to it. And that is, is that, okay, if, if I was to, if I was to lean and say, well, hey, it definitely should have been this guy. Well, then again, back to your point, you made a strong argument for the opposing, the opposing wrestler yeah, and, right. you know, and vice versa. Exactly. They both had exactly. chances. I mean, and, you know, yeah. I think part of it that played into it was Dayton wasn't very offensive during the match. And so I think some people think, well, if you weren't that offensive and it comes down to something like this, you know, it's hard to complain. The other part of it is, look, if I've wrestled this guy for an hour and there's been one takedown, maybe offense is a waste of energy since he's so good on defense. We could talk about this for an hour and a half. I want to, and I, it would be me talking and boring people. So I want to jump to the, the action call, backing out, stepping out, shoving out, whatever you want to call it. So... Mm -hmm. To me, I'm just going to jump to a match that I saw, and it was right in front of the head table, the Sam Stoll-Mason-Paris match. That match was chaos. Like, the stall calls decided the match for sure. It makes a guy... Mason-Paris, in my opinion, wasn't stalling. He's just wrestling somebody bigger than him that is good at pushing guys out of bounds. I'm not saying Sam Stoll was stalling by going forward because his knees screwed up and he can't shoot and the only way for him to score is to get a hold of a guy but when can the referee just go look one guy's doing the only thing he can do to score 
and the other guy's trying to get to the center and get a setup so he can score. And maybe I just call action and let these guys decide it. Well, I think that, you know, your sentiment is shared by other people, but, you know, in fairness to the official, okay, I've got one guy going out of bounds, okay, and, um, you know, do I really have action, okay? And, you know, by definition, you don't. Yet at the same time, okay, you know, there's always the argument that, you know, don't you guys really just, you know, want to be left out of it? I mean, don't you want to do everything you can not to infuse yourself into the match? And, and that's a fair argument there. And again, that's, that situation there is certainly much more isolated than we're going to see in, you know, 95% of the other matches. Um, but, you know, you do. You do have some discretion. I think also, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, this is a stay-on-the-mat rule, but at the same time, you know, the points that you're bringing up are very valid. And, um, again, uh you know, do we want that? Is that what we're looking for? Are we better off, you know, uh, not uh, as officials having the discretion, hey, when when we've got these guys just, you know, the whole pushing and shoving, the whole pushing and shoving, are we better off at sometimes just even saying, hey, let's just stalemate this, guys. Guys, we're going to stay on the mat here, okay? Don't make me decide this. And and those are all valid points, Um and I think what it also does, though, is is that, you know, for some of the people who are, are a critic of this rule, you know, again, um, I, I think the rule has been really positive because throughout the year, all right, we're just seeing so, I mean, prior to this rule coming into place, David, we were averaging between 35 and 40 match stoppages across the country in dual meets. We're averaging about five now. And so... It is a stay on the mat. Um, that situation, uh, again, is, is, is a bit unique. But, I mean, I, I do know that people were obviously uh, concerned about it. Other people brought the concerns to me. And I think that, hey, having some options that um, are in the best interest of the wrestlers, hey, maybe calling a stalemate, like you said, hey, you know, come on, guys, you got to give me something here. Stay on the mat, maybe using an action call. Um, having that discretion, uh, I think is important. And, and I think we will move towards that. Um, you know, because again, uh, you know, unless I, I think the one thing that we, that people just don't want in our sport and, and I would agree is, is that, uh, you know, unless it's just so blatant and we don't have an option, let's not disqualify somebody for stalling. And, you know, and we were darn close there. So, um, you know, some of the concerns, I think the concerns that you've brought up and some of the feedback that I've got are valid. And, and I think we'll, uh, you know, it'll be something that we do and with our officials and our, and our training throughout the year and we'll discuss it. And, and, um, you know, we, we need to have some options in those, in those types of situations, clearly moving forward. I agree. I think it's a good way of saying this. You got to give these guys some options because I've talked to a lot of referees. I went to the Lindenwood open back in November and they mentioned mm -hmm. they're like, hey, this is a point of some of these things are points of emphasis. And if we don't call them, we're going to be downgraded. And we're doing this to try to better wrestling, even if there's some glitches along, along the way. And I think people who are listening need to understand that the points of emphasis 
it's not like you woke up one morning and like, we're just going to do this. Like, you know, this is, you brought this as a result of all the feedback you got from officials, coaches, you know, multiple levels. This isn't just a Tim Shields decision, but you're the one that has to spearhead it. So, I mean, I respect that. It's a thankless job. I've got a ton of referee buddies and, you know, I would never do that job because I never get noticed is when people complain, you know, it's like being a police officer. So, I mean, I have a ton of respect for all you guys. Um, but one of the things I think that, and just to sort of reiterate on that is that, you know, like we're watching at one time Paris goes out and he gets hit for fleeing or stalling, whatever you want to call it. The next time mm-hmm. Dole gets called for pushing him out. Then the third time they call it action. So, what do you guys? How do you feel personally about just having a step out rule? Well, I'm glad you asked that, and I think what I think that um, why I'm I'm not in favor of a step out rule is is that you know I I oversee our rule book oversees all wrestling. Okay, do I believe the wrestlers at the at the most elite level could adapt to this? Yes, they do. But I uh, do. I also sense, David, and you know. I mean, you coached uh, junior college D threes. I coached D threes, and you also know that you know one of the things that's best for our sport is this. Hey, is is when you know our kids are actually learning technique and learning things to get better. And I think that if you clearly had a push out rule, okay, we saw that you know in this match where it was like everybody was on pins and needles, but. I would really, really think that, you know, when we get into junior college and we get into some of the D3s and NAIs, and I just really sense that we're going to have, you know, some guys that have a little bit more experience wrestling, not as experienced of kids, but who still give back and want to compete at their colleges. And I just feel that it would be really easy for guys, I shouldn't say easy, but just really sense that we could lose a lot of technique at those levels where, Hey, I come in and I put on a, you know, I, I do an underhook and boom, I drive you and I drive you and I'm, I'm more experienced or, Hey, I'm the 270 pound heavyweight and you're the 210 pound heavyweight and boom, I blast you out four or five times and then it's all over. And yet there was no takedown scored. I, I just really, that's my concern. That's my personal take. It probably isn't, a great officiating take necessarily, but um, I, I think that that would be where I would say uh, because our rules apply to every every level. I would think that uh, I would just assume that you know in this situation, like we talked about, that we we discuss some ways that hey we um, we have some options to keep that a little bit better under control. Um, but I think, uh, I think the back, you know, I think our rule of where we're going to call a push out action or a back out has been, has been a good plus. And, and I don't think we're going to see a change to that in my opinion. I, I respect your opinion. I will play devil's advocate with you and say that I respect the idea that you're like, Hey, this affects the lower level colleges and high schools and everything, you know, you know, college rules affect high school rules. People adapt. You said it at the top, people adapt, coaches adapt. And when you're, you know, when you're start wrestling, when you're six years old or 14 years old, it's like, keep your rear end in the middle and face out. And mm-hmm. you could make this push out rule or a step out rule, whatever way you want to talk about it, 
not be tied to stalling. So you can push me out four times and I'm not going to get disqualified. It can just be a mm-hmm. And it, I think it, I think the best referees I know hate all the subjectivity. They like to just, the ones that don't have, you know, crazy egos just want to call the twos and ones and stay out of the way and, you know, maybe be in the picture when the guy's hand is raised, you know, but when the, every time they go out of bounds, they've got to make a decision. I think that's asking a lot. And now it's like David stepped out one, maybe you go warning and then one or, you know, it's, it's a half a point or something at a half a point, but like, okay, you get one freebie. And then after that, it's one, one, one. Cause Paris wrestles differently. If that's the case, Stoll wrestles differently. If that's the case. And I mean, Mason Paris lost because he took a bad shot. And the reason why he took a bad shot was because he kept getting, you know, put to the edge. I'm not saying Sam Stoll was stalling. When you, you get shot in the knee and you can't shoot, you're pretty limited to what you can do. I think he did an unbelievable job getting the absolute most out of his body. But I think anytime referees have to judge 100 things at once, if you can make it 99, I think that's a good thing. So if... If I'm allowed to put any input on, for your meeting next week, that would be my input. So, uh, well, and I and I think I think that um, it will be interesting to see where it's at because I think that um, again, I think there's you know uh, it's one of the great things about our sport we can have these discussions and um, and yet uh, at the same time. Um, you know, there's there's clearly validity to both arguments. I don't think there's any question about it. And and I think one of the things from my standpoint that I agree with you completely is is that, you know, when you think about great officiating, you know, nobody remembers who did it. And you know, we are right. saying that hey, let let's let's stay under the radar. Okay, meaning that wait a minute, we you know we're not talked about, and. Um, I, you know, I think some of the rules that have been put in play, I think have been good for wrestling. I think they've increased action. I think, you know, um, we don't have as many stoppages. I, I don't think there's any question about it, but some of them also, you know, uh, again, I, I think have made officiating, you know, uh, difficult and, uh, and, 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 you know, and I want to be careful about that because, um, obviously, you know, we know that we're not signing, <laughs> we're signing up for a difficult job. And, um, and some people probably would disagree with me, but I think our officials, um, you know, I think that, Hey, you know, the last time I was on the mat was four years ago. I, I, I just do. I mean, I'm, I'm being, I'm being honest. I'm not trying to take a position of, well, you have to say that and protect your officials. Yes, I do have to protect them, but I do honestly believe that officiating has become more difficult. I'll be honest. I didn't know, you know, I've known you a long time, but, you know, we're friendly, but it's not like, you know, we meet and have dinner when we're in the same place. So I really didn't know how much you were going to talk about this. And I, I, you know, I was a little concerned you would just protect your guys and say everybody made the right call. So I think it's been awesome that you're willing to say, well, maybe this could have been different and those kind of things. I think that's great. Like you said, you know, the push out or step out, point versus not being a point i totally respect your opinion you you've been in the trenches as an official i appreciate the fact that you respect my opinion because i think there's a lot of smart people that have that opinion as well so and, ask you and i'd agree with and i'd agree with that i would yeah, yeah for sure 
one more specific situation. The Nolf-Heidley semifinal match, end of the first period, just, it, it sure looked like to everybody, and I'm not, I still think, you know, I think Nolf wrestles differently if he's losing 2-0 versus 0-0. I don't think you can take, add two points at the end and say the wrong guy won. So I don't mean to put mm-hmm. that at all. But what did you see there, and how do you feel as the guy that's in charge of the referees when literally almost everybody's saying that was the wrong call? Like, how do you feel like how that impacts the sport on a global level? Well, I don't, I don't know that – I'm not sure that everybody is saying that's the wrong call, but there's certainly people that, that are. My initial reaction – I watched the match, okay? Okay. And my initial reaction is, is that and – it, and it gets to one of the – again, back to one of the things that we have to clearly define and we have to really – and in my opinion, we have to work really, really hard on, on hey, and what we – uh, put out there for material, you know, as, as information for all of the media outlets. And that is, is that, is that we do have in all college wrestling, we only have two situations that don't require reaction time. And that is, Hey, if we're on our feet and I slide and I have a hand touch takedown. Okay. Or if I have locked hands on the mat, otherwise we have reaction time and those wrestlers were on the mat. Okay. My initial reaction was, is, ah, he might be quick. And I think, but I think in fairness to everyone here, okay, was that the initial call was a takedown, okay? And this is just a, you know, with, again, not trying to pass the buck here, okay? The officials, and I think a lot of people have incorrectly assumed that we had an outside official who tried to influence that. The main official looked at him and said, hey, I think I might be quick. He said, let's look at that, okay? Yet where this gets dicey and where I have to give North Carolina State and Pat Publicio a lot of credit for handling, you know, a really tough situation very, very professionally is did that video have clear evidence, okay, or conclusive evidence that um, it was obviously too quick. And that's a tough, tough decision because if you look at it, it is a 50-50 call, in my opinion. And now you have to say, okay, if that's the case, all right, do we have conclusive evidence? The officials in talking to each other agreed. I think we were too quick, hence the decision they made. But Again, why we have some of these bang-bang calls in college wrestling, okay, that um, really need to have the expertise of somebody who's in a position, up in a booth, no different. You know, I guess the analogy I would give David would be, you know, we watch football all, you know, all, all during the year. Yeah, right. And, and you will see, you know, you will see a situation where, um, you know, the call on, you know, the pass, on, the pass is, is ruled complete and they show all sorts of different angles of it. And then they're debating whether or not, Hey, they, the receiver had his hands under it before the ball hit the ground and et cetera, et cetera. And they'll go to one of the officiating experts and they'll say, well, what do you think? And he'll say, well, I don't think there's enough evidence there to overturn that. Okay. And conversely, if they had called it incomplete, 
it would probably stay incomplete because there's not an evidence, right. enough evidence to overturn it. I think that's what you had in this situation. I think that's why the debate is there. I think that's why, you know, some people feel, you know, obviously feel the way they do. And again, um, you know, to your point, you know, okay, we don't know. We don't know because we didn't go into the second period, zero, zero. We went into, I mean, we went into the second period, I stand corrected, zero, zero, instead of two, zero. And, right. um, you, you know, yeah, obviously, sure. you know, and like, you know, like you, you know, and I, I understand both, I understand both viewpoints on that. I really do. Right. So I, one of the things just from a, you said a lot of awesome stuff there, but from a technical standpoint, you're saying that there is, because the hands weren't locked, that there's reaction time. My thought is he hit the ground, his hand was on the ground, so it would go to the non-reaction time one. Am I in, interpreting the rules incorrectly? Yes, yes. Okay. When we're on the mat, yeah, when we're on the mat and we, you know, and we're, we have a flurry going, okay, I have to, and I come behind out of that flurry, or no different than, hey, if I do a quick, you know, we're on the mat and I do a quick shuck, and a quick spin behind on you. And even though if I'm behind and you have a hand on the mat, but you immediately spin out, we're not gonna call that two and one. There's reaction time there. That should not be a takedown. Where the confusion comes in is, is well, okay, so if that's not a takedown, but we're both up on our feet, yeah, exactly. and, I just, and I just kind of hit a quick slide by, and you put a hand on the mat, that is two. And so that's where all of this, all of this discussion has come into play. Well, wait a minute. How does that situation where, hey, we're on our feet, you just hit a quick slide by, I, my hand hits the mat and I spin out, that's two and one. Well, that's considered a hand touch takedown, all right? While the other situation that like we saw in the 157th, and we've seen other examples, well, how can't that be? So one of the things that we really have to establish is, is hey, what is react, I mean, what is reaction time? Now, my reaction time as an official may be a tenth of a second later than yours, but yeah. at the same time, we have to define and make certain that people understand that, hey, we have reaction time when we have wrestling going on, except in those two situations that I talked about earlier. Yeah, it's a lot to process. So one of It the, is. It one is. Of the, it one is. of the things yep. that just popped in my head, and I, I write notes for these, but I just thought of this because you're talking about, you know, your reaction time could be a fraction of a second different than mine. That's certainly, um, you know, certainly understandable. Let me ask you this. If person A puts person B on their back and, you know, the referee counts to four or doesn't count to four and, you know, you're challenging that either should be a four point in your fall or not and somebody's count is, you know, maybe I count and mine are only nine tenths of a second you know, or I count a minor 1.1 second. Am I allowed to challenge that and go, hey, when he first started the count, there were four seconds on the actual clock. So if he was in criteria the whole time, it's four. Or hey, when he first started the count, there was 3.7 seconds on the clock. And so I don't care how fast the referee counted, it wasn't four seconds. Is that a challengeable thing? It is a challengeable thing, and, and it's a point of emphasis, and it's something that every time I meet with officials, I, you know, where we have this discussion, we discuss it all the time because it's like, 
Um, one of the things that we, where we get in trouble is as officials is when we're too quick. Okay. Because if you put those up, you put those points up and now you're erasing them off. Okay. Boy, you know, there, you're, there's going to be a lot of discussion about it. It's not going to just be okay. And back to your point specifically regarding this question. Okay. You know, guys, we've got a problem and I tell our guys this and I think they understand. Okay. We've got a problem if, um, there's a challenge out there and you go over to the table and you're the coach and you say, coach, what are you challenging? And he said, well, you know what? You, you gave a four point near fall and there was 2.6 seconds left in the period when you started. Right. That's, that's a problem. So yes, it is challengeable. And again, um, you know, we work really hard and we, you know, it's something that we emphasize and we do a lot of training on that. Hey, we want to make certain that let's, let's, you know, try and keep those counts slow. Um, Again, you got the adrenaline pumping, you get, you know, you get some high pressured situations, but your best guys will do that. Your best officials in the country, you know, understand that, okay, you know, I, I got to keep this count, you know, 1,001, 1,002, so that I'm not rushing through those situations. And again, um, putting up four points when, uh, you know, again, back to 2.6, 2.8 seconds. It's just, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be doing that. Yeah, that's it. that's interesting. So, one one of the things we talked about right before we went on the air, and I kind of want to close with this because I think it addresses almost everything. And, and I know that finances and money are certainly a piece of this, but maybe this only happens at nationals or only happens at the conference tournaments. Although I would imagine that the Big Ten has more financial resources than say the EWL or the SoCon or that kind of thing, but. What are the challenges standing in the way of a neutral third-party review system? And the reason why I say that is I think the statistics were like somewhere between 8 and 12% of the challenges were overturned. And I think people are just like, there's no point in even challenging. It just becomes basically a timeout, you know, and it just slows everything down. And, you know, I don't mean this the wrong way, but a lot of people are like, these referees can't be getting 90% of these calls right. So, you know, what do we, you know, a third-party it's like me proofreading my own paper, right? Like if somebody else is doing it, they're probably going to catch more mistakes. So what are the challenges of standing in the way of a third-party system like that? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, after uh, Thursday, March 28th, you know, I had a conference call and I, I, with all the officials who worked the championship. And I just said, hey, you know, I'm not going to take a lot of time here. I just kind of want to give you, uh, while it's still fresh in everybody's mind, you know, my, my overall opinion of, of what happened. And, you know, again, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think the officiating, I think the officiating, I think we did a good job, but I was candid in saying that, Hey, I don't think we did a good job with video review. And I thought we had been making progress in that area. I'm just being totally honest. And I'm sharing with you what I shared with their officials. And then I shared this with my boss at the NCAA before the finals. I just said, I think that it's, I think it's just very, very difficult when I make that bang, bang call for me then on a challenge um, when I think I've made the right call, okay, unless it's just clearly something that, um, you know, is very obvious. Um, it's hard for me to overturn that when I look at it 15 or 20 seconds later. And I think that if you looked at previous years, of, hey, how many, when we were doing these challenges, 
how many times did we overturn it? It was clearly a higher percentage. And I even saw trending from conference championships the last few years where we were doing it, where it was a higher percentage. So, you know, we really need to, we really need to take a look at it. But I think the bottom line here is, is that um, for third-party reviewers, we're going to have to do the training. In other words, you can't take a third-party reviewer who hasn't been current with the number of the rule changes, who hasn't, you know, obviously taken the test. And obviously, we're going to have to continue to do training and take a look at videos throughout the year of, of situations so that, hey, when we see those, um, you know, we're going to have to be prepared. And again, there's going to be a, there's going to need to be a financial investment into that. There's going to be need to be more training. But I don't think there's any question that, hey, it needs to be done. And I think it will be done um, because, again, uh, I don't think that um, the percentage of where I think and again, people might say, well, you kind of have a biased viewpoint. You're going to protect the officials. I understand that. I'm just being honest and, think, and telling you that, hey, I thought we had some calls that, um, you know, I, I think that an independent reviewer, if, uh, if they had seen those, would have overturned some of the calls that we didn't. And, and I, you know, um, and again, I'm sharing with you. So, I mean, uh, I, I think my officials, I think the officials know that, hey, I'm their advocate. I think they know I fight for them. And, um, but at the same time, I'm sharing with you something I shared with them. I, I have so much more respect for you, not that you care what I think, but for saying that as opposed to not saying that because that job is incredibly hard. I remember one time I had to referee a freestyle tournament and like, I was like for three hours. I'm like, I am done. Like somebody take this whistle. So I need to get out of here. You know, like it just, it becomes monotonous and you're just, you're doing your best. And a lot of times your best is not good enough, you know? And you know, to me, what immediately pops into mind is your best couple referees should be in the booth at nationals. But but well, you know, I, I mean, again, I, I I'm just going to leave you on. The, well, I mean, if you have other questions, no, no, I'm that's happy it. To answer, but, no. <laughs> but I, I, I will leave. I will leave you on this. Okay. Um, I, I've made. I've made my suggestion. I think the people that I think would be great at the national tournament, and there's certainly people that I'm sure would be great, you know, elsewhere. But the people that I think would be just do a fantastic job of it. Are, are three officials who um, are highly respected, who evaluate throughout the year, yeah. who take the test, who take the test every year, who I think really understand that. Hey, the bottom line here is is that we want to get it right, okay? And um, I, I just think that if we can get that approved, um, I think that would be huge. I think a lot of people would be happy about that. And I think a lot of people would be very pleased with the people that are doing it. And, and my point is, is that, hey, I, I think they need to just like they are in, uh, in other sports. I think they need to be up in a booth. I don't think it's effective when you try to do it mat side with all the things that are going on there. I think they and I think that, hey, there's three people that um, everybody knows they're they're the, your independent reviewers. Nobody knows specifically if it was all three of them or two of the three of them or one of them. They just know that hey, these are the people that we have, and um, 
I think that the intent of having independent or of having video review is so the coaches have a say. Well, they don't feel that way right now. I think they will feel that way if we get that through. And, and it's something I, I really hope and I'm, I just I hope that we get done. I, I, and I believe we will. This has been awesome. I literally am looking at we just clicked over on an hour. Um, I, I completely always respected you. I truly appreciate your time. I truly appreciate your, your candor. Appreciate, you know, I, you know, I had to ask some hard questions and you addressing those head on. Uh, like I said, I've always had a lot of respect for you, but I have even more now after this last hour. So I truly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Just thank you so much for doing this with us. Well, David, thank you. And thank you for, you know, all you do for wrestling and all you do for your charitable contributions and the work. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, uh, again, we've all been extremely blessed to have wrestling be such a vital part of our life. And um, again, uh, I look forward to seeing you, whether it be in Missouri or at the national tournaments or or at a kids tournament. And um, I thank you for your time. No, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Tim Shields, the NCAA National Coordinator of Wrestling Officials. This is David Maricatani signing off. Speak to you all next week.